As a business manager, entrepreneur, or team leader, you can go ahead and scour the internet for best industry practices whenever you want to build your own personal capacity. You can attend industry events to stay on top of trends and the forever changing landscape of your business. But what can you do to leverage the wisdom, knowledge, and experience of your team? And that's what we're talking about next on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Join our host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you develop your business. So you can take the time to work on your business, not just in your business. Here's your host, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode. I am so glad that you are here with us today. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them work on their business, not just in their business. I am your host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, and today my guest is Nihal Tana. And we're going to be talking about the magic of mentorship and coaching within your organization. And we'll get to that in just a moment. In the meantime, feel free to subscribe to this program. I'd love to make absolutely sure that you don't miss a single episode as we release it. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. From my experience, most leaders, especially in small businesses, were promoted because they were great performers. Perhaps you're one of those. But as much as you had the skill sets to do your job, you weren't trained to be a leader. So that brings us to our question of the day. What have you done as a leader to make sure that you and your new leaders tap into the world of experiences that are out there? I'd love for you to be part of this conversation, so go ahead and drop a comment in social media along with your thoughts and ideas and the answer to that question, and don't forget to include the hashtag experienceleadership. I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. My guest today is Jedi Master Nihal Tana. Nihal is a risk manager at the Bank of America headquarters in Charlotte, North Carolina, she is a two-times distinguished Toastmaster and a state-level champion of public speaking. If you attended the Spring 2021 Audacious Leaders Summit, you would have been privy to the phenomenal discussion she and I had about diversity and inclusion within organizations. Nihal is a keynote speaker, project manager, and a fashion model for the New York Fashion Weeks. Welcome, Nihal. It's so great to have you here. Good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're at, and good afternoon, Mark. I am so happy to be here. Pleasure's all mine. <laughs> Before we get into today's topic, I just want to uncover a little bit about what it means to be a Jedi Master. Could you explain that a little bit? Absolutely. So I have been with Toastmaster for just a couple of years, and because of the consistent leadership and being the Jedi, the way we have Jedi Master or Jedi in Star Wars, they decided to declare me as the very first Jedi Master in the history of Toastmaster International for the District of North Carolina. So it's the kind of a name given to me because of my leadership or servant leadership that I provided to my district or my state for Toastmaster International. Nice. Nice. And so then I uncovered that JEDI is also an acronym for Justice, 
equity, diversity, and inclusion, which is right in your ballpark anyway, right? Love that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yes, so it's awesome. So I just wanted to clap because I, you know, you are a subject matter expert when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And, you know, I wanted to make absolutely sure that we pinpoint that because when we say Jedi, it's not necessarily with the lightsaber, but it is, you know, I know you with the Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> you and I first met last February, 2021. We were both speaking at a online conference and I heard your presentation. It was called Mentorship Secrets. And right away, I thought, oh my goodness, I need to have you on this show because you brought up so many amazing things. Why is mentorship such an important facet for you? I believe in mentorship because of several reasons. I'm gonna first share a little bit of story where I learned the word mentorship. Now to those who know me, know that I'm an immigrant. I came to this country not knowing English, learned it in 2013 and being able to graduate with a degree with a 4.0 in two years, which was a four years degree. And so on, as soon as right after my graduation, when I moved on to working for a Fortune 500 company, during the first three months, an executive leader came to me and suggested that he would like to mentor me. So that time, of course, English not being a very first language, English is my fifth language, and not knowing all the vocabulary words, I thought mentoring was a tool or a software that he wanted to teach me. And I was like, sure, where can I download it? And he was looking at me, he was looking at me like, seriously, Nihal, that smirk on his face. But I think he understood that I was not aware of the word. And that's when he set up the first meeting to explain it to me, what mentor-mentee relationship was and what it can bring to the table. According to me, now everyone has different definitions, slightly different definitions with their own flavor for mentorship. Mentoring, according to me, is a relationship where we focus on supporting our mentees for their growth, their development, and making sure that we are able to share the wisdom and teaching and support them throughout their goals. Now, do know that I use the word supporting and sharing the wisdom, but I did not say that I'm going to tell you what to do. That's what a coach does. So that's the biggest difference between the mentoring and coaching. Mentoring is very close to my heart because I wouldn't be who I am today without the mentors who have invested in me consistently throughout these years. And as a payback to them, I am also forwarding passing it on to my mentees as to what I've learned from my mentors and bringing it and passing it on to them. Mentoring can make you from where you were to where you can go. It just, sky is the limit. It can really, really change your life. I truly believe in power of mentorship. Nice. I love that you use the phrase that people invested in you. Can you dig a little bit deeper into that? You know, the idea of a mentorship Versus coaching, you know, one one definition that one person said was coaching is somebody you pay for, mentorship is not. But when you say that your mentors invested in you, what does that mean? Sure. So when I say that mentor invested in me, it can mean different things to different people. But specifically to me and specifically from my mentors to me and from me to my mentees, mentors have invested their time, their energy, they've shared their experiences They've guided me 
when I was confused, they've shared their wisdom and experiences with me as to what they would have done. Not necessarily I should be doing it, but just their perspective and their wisdom. They've also tried and shared different resources with me, which would help me make my own decision in the right direction. Basically, they've invested their time, energy, and directed and guided me. And Mark, most importantly, they have been there for me when I needed them. Whether or not it was scheduled ahead of time or I needed them right away, if it was a burning issue or I needed their advice right, not, right there and there, they've always been there for me. And mm. to me, that is an investment. Right. Right. And ultimately, if it's your leader doing that, what they end up with is they end up with somebody who's more engaged, more loyal, more dedicated to the outcomes. It's magical, I think. I would also like to add to your point, and that is perfectly said, that when you mentor people, it's not only that you are giving one way. Mentoring relationship is always two ways because you have an open conversation with your mentor as a mentee. They learn from you, you learn from them, they get exposed to many situations that they did not during their tenure in the workforce or in your career or in their personal life. But in addition, being a mentor-mentee can also help you grow together in a relationship and experience those situations together and support each other. And also, it takes an army to be successful. Now, if I want to be a successful leader, and guess what? If I'm the only one and I don't have any supporters and I'm going to reach to the top, I probably will reach to the top depending on the situation. However, the slope downwards, it's going to be steeper because I don't have my army to support me to make me successful. So these mentees are going to be your army. Because you're guiding them, you're making them successful, and they are going to be your loyal people who you can count on when you want somebody to support or you had a question, you needed something that they've already worked on, and so on. So it's win-win both ways. Nice. You know, as you were saying that, a picture flashed in my head, a picture of a football game where the quarterback has the ball, he's got a team around him, he's got a coach. On one side, that, you know, helps direct kind of performance. But, you know, then could it be that some people on the field are not just team players, but they're also mentors as well, right? To make sure that you're well supported. I think that's wonderful. Could we define what mentorship is not? Sure. So mentorship is not something where you are trying to tell your mentee what to do. Say, for example, if you came to me with a question, I would probably share what I would do in that situation. In addition, I would also share my perspective and I would make you aware of the entire situation or the perspective that you do not see being in the situation and I see being outside of the situation. But I wouldn't tell you, you know what? I understand, Mark, that you are having... XYZ issues or, or question, just go ahead and do this, 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 this. That's coaching. Mentoring is suggesting something that you are there to guide and share perspective. When you tell people what to do and exactly how to do, 
that's not mentoring. That's dictating people. And that's not what you do. Mentoring is being there, giving an open space and a safe space for your mentees to come, share, bounce back ideas, use the platform as a safe space to share anything and everything that they're comfortable with. In addition, allowing them to also share their emotions if the need be in a non-judgmental zone or judgment-free zone. Right. I love that. I love that. And, you know, understanding that when you're doing this mentor-mentee, you both have something on the line. It's not just a question of going to the mentor, he gives you all the answers and you walk away and you go, oh, okay. Yeah. I'd like to get into some specific structures for mentorship relationships, and we'll get to that right after this. When you're delivering an important speech to a huge audience, it's easy to lose your place or go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues to practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. Welcome back. We are here with Nihal Tana, and we're talking about mentorship. We're talking about the power of what it can do to both the mentor and the mentee, and that this is actually a relationship that we're building as well. Nihal, how can mentorship assist individuals in becoming successful entrepreneurs? Because I know that is one big area where mentorship has really shown. Great question. I've often understood or seen that sometimes it is a common myth that only the junior employees in the workforce need mentors. As you go senior, as you become an entrepreneur or have your own business or have your own leadership, probably you're all good and not necessarily there can be any value add. So first of all, I would like to address that myth. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has that, but it's very common that some people choose to believe that for whatever reason. If you're an entrepreneur, it is very important for you to have mentors. And I would say mentoring is very important for anybody and everybody. You you can have mentors in your personal life, in your professional life. You can have a mentor as a mother or as a parent. You can have a mentor as a mother of a fur baby. You can have a mentor for anything and everything. That's only going to make you better with what you are focused on. As an entrepreneur, you definitely want to have a mentor. Now, the type of mentor probably will differ. The mentor would not be the exactly same one as a corporate employee would have. Probably the mentor would be an entrepreneur. Either a person has been as a business owner and not done really well, they can share the lesson learned and what you could not do possibly or what you should be aware of or the red flags or the person who already has a business and he has a, he or she has a similar lines of business, you can complement each other and not compete with each other for any reason because you both are going to have totally different personalities, though the product might be the same. And then work with each other to complement each other and how you can support each other and elevate each other while you focus on your own businesses. As a business owner, you can also learn the, in addition to lesson learned, what all worked well for other entrepreneurs 
that probably is not a part of your industry, but they did something really good that is a common practice that you can use. It could be a PR, that's public relation, marketing, it could be costing, it could be the using a specific product or a specific tool or a specific app that is actually cheaper to advertise than putting the advertisement in a newspaper or, or during the prime time on the TV. They can, when you interact, they can actually, you can learn a lot more than you think you would. At the least, if you do not gain anything specific that you actually were planning to, Mark, they will have a connection to go back to, to either vent when they're having a bad day or bounce back ideas to share some advice where a person who is not deep down in the situation mm. can show them the view outside and bring them back to the reality right. or positivity. Right. It's so amazing that you said that because many times on this show, we've talked about how one cannot see the label from inside the bottle. And we've talked specifically, we've had episodes with Gene Howard when we talked about the power of coaches and being able to hire the right coach for the right job to help you along. But mentorship is entirely different in this regard. We're tapping into our circle. We're tapping into people who are kind of had that knowledge and who can support us. And as you were talking about that, I thought, you know, is there a difference between mentors and mastermind groups? Definitely. Now, mastermind could also be addressed as a subject matter expert. Mm -hmm. They know the subject. They know what you're talking about. They have an expertise in a specific subject and they can tell you all about it from positives to negatives as to how to break yourself and how to make yourself and everything. Mentor is a generic individual, a person with a generic knowledge for the most areas. Mm -hmm. Now, do know, I know we're trying to say that mentors know it all. They don't. But what mentors can do, if they do not have an idea about a specific subject or a topic that you're seeking guidance on, they can connect you with another person in their network, in their army, that can have this knowledge that you're seeking, and they can help you because you were referred by this mentor or a leader. Right. So if you're my mentor, and if you ask me, Niha, I have a mentee that's looking for an XYZ topic, and I do not have enough expertise to share anything on that, because I have a goodwill with you, and because you and I are great in a working relationship and understanding, as a goodwill or as a faith, I would help your mentee and connect him or her to somebody else who has a better knowledge in that subject. So masterminds are definitely different than mentees. And I would like to touch back to one of your questions that you asked me. Coaching services can be paid or can be charged in the currency, in the amount, in the cash or dollars or whatever your currency is. Mentoring, for the most part, is a free giving service where it's mutually beneficial and where it depends on a mutually convenient time for mentors and mentee to meet. Now, right. do know that mentor can definitely let you know that sometime if they have too much going on, they need to reschedule or they are not available until a certain period of time. Because remember, it's not a coaching paid facility or a paid term that you have signed up for or registered for. So it's mutually under it's operated on mutual understanding and it's mutually benefited. 
Right. To you. Nice. So this is a about creating this relationship where you can tap into the knowledge of other people. Is there a specific structure that is required to be effectively to be an effective mentor and to be an effective mentee? Brilliant question. As a human, as a personality that I am, I believe in life, everything should have structure. Not necessarily, but that's how I am. I have structure even on the days when I don't want to do anything. Nine o'clock, I would start doing nothing, but then 10 o'clock, I'll start drinking water. But then 11 o'clock, I'll go back to not doing anything. Now, that's a little too much. I know I'm that way because that's how I'm wired. That's how I was raised. However, mentoring definitely needs the structure if you want to have a successful relationship where mentor and mentee both are consistently benefited. And if you want to make the best use of time, your mentor has made available to you. So some structure that I can give an example of, my mentees and I have a structure. When the first time when we connect as a mentor and mentee, it's an introduction meeting. I usually use a slide that's called meet me slide that has my personal left side is my personal side of what I do, what I like to do personally, what I like to do in my free time. And then right inside is usually what I've, my professional journey as to how I came to this country and what I'll have done and what I currently do in my work and some pictures to have uh, more life to the story. Now, this is one way to introduce yourself. Some people even prefer to just verbally introduce each other. Now that we have, we are in an environment of virtual, you can always have a video call so that you can see each other, you can see each other face-to-face, -face. you can have the name to the, you can have the face to the name and you can introduce each other. First meeting has to be understanding and knowing each other just a little bit better than what you did when you agreed to be a mentor and mentee. Now, also the second half of your first meeting, it may be a good idea to go through the structure of mentoring timeline or a schedule. It could be something like, how often would your mentor like to be connected? Would he like to follow, would he or she like to follow any structure? How much time do they have during every meeting? Some people prefer 30 minutes a month. Some people prefer 30 minutes twice a month. Is any specific day of the week that works better? Is the phone call better? Is the virtual meeting better with the camera on? Or if you stay close by, it's a good idea to meet in an outdoor setup where you can actually have a conversation in person. I'm more of an in-person person, so I do not leave a, a single opportunity to meet somebody in person in an outdoor setup. Second meeting could be off of your first meeting, but do remember after the first meeting, you definitely always want to have an agenda sent to your mentor at least 48 hours before your every mentoring meeting. That does two things. That makes you prepare for what you want to talk about. That way you are able to respect your mentor's time. And you're also able to get the best use of time your mentor has given it to you. And it does another thing for your mentor that he or she is well prepared with the answer resources or at least the name of the people that he or she would like you to connect with because your mentor is not necessarily the expert on that topic. So both of you can have a preparation time, at least 48 hours. That's what I recommend. If you're doing a virtual meeting, make sure your WebEx and Zoom is checked ahead of time. It's working. Your internet connection is hardwired. 
not Wi-Fi necessarily because it can break voice and you can have a lot of technical difficulties in this technological world. So you want to make sure to have the best use of time and not spend time in fixing your connection. And going forward, you should have this agenda sent to your mentor literally before every meeting, at least 48 hours before. Now also make sure at the end of the meeting, it can be a good idea to ask your mentor if you can guide or share anything with your mentor or his team that you are currently working on or something new that you have come up with. Because remember, it is a mutual relationship. It's not one way. You're not only taking things from your mentor and not trying or even making an attempt to give anything back. So having this kind of structure would definitely make sure that you both, your mentor and mentee can both make the best use of the time. Lastly, I would tell you, if you cannot send the agenda because we all have life happen, as Mark knows, life just happened to me recently and we can actually fall off of a schedule. Just make sure that you are prepared with the items or the number of things that you want to discuss if you're not able to send it ahead of time. So as soon as you start the meeting, you start with an apology that you were not able to send the meeting agenda and you let the mentor know that this time you'll not be able to send it. It's just one sentence email, doesn't take long. And then when you start the meeting of with your mentor, you at least let them know that these are the couple of topics that I would like to talk about. So that way, maybe you didn't help him prepare ahead of time, but at least you prepared yourself to make sure that you show the respect to your mentor's time. Back to you. Nice. I love it. I love it. Now, this is really great information. How can people get a hold of you if they want some more coaching or mentorship on how to mentor? Absolutely. So I am very happy to be available for a 30-minute free session. You don't have to pay anything. And you can reach me via my email address. Probably it should be on the screen. If not, I can spell it out to you. It's my first name, last name is one word. N-E-H-A-L, T as in Tom, A-N-N-A, at hotmail.com. You can email me and I would be happy to respond to your email within 48 hours. We can go from there. I can share my contact details with you. We can connect. And I'd be also happy to be a part of your organization if you need sessions on mentorship or anything, including mentorship, coaching, and any other sessions or keynote or a guest speaking for your organization. Love it. You're so generous. Thank you so much. So as you were talking about this idea of the mentor-mentor-mentee relationship, I was thinking about this. How important is it on the first meeting to start setting objectives? Setting objectives is very important. I will tell you what happens when you do not set the objectives. If you do not have an objective that you know of, you probably do not know what you're trying to achieve. If you know the objective that you're trying to achieve, but you are not able to let your mentor know, he or she doesn't know what you're looking for and how to help you. If you have the objective set up that what you want to achieve during every meeting or at least by end of every meeting, it's very clear communication to your mentor and to yourself mentally that this is the goal and this is what I'm seeking from you as a mentor, so help me achieve it. So by the end of the session or by end of the mentorship, you're able to assess 
if your mentor is able to provide the value or the level of value or the amount of value that you're seeking. I would like to add with reference to objective though, Mark, it is okay to feel that your mentor is unable to provide the level of values that you're seeking after having a few sessions with your mentor. And it is okay to take a break from your mentor and then pause or to take a break and switch your mentor. It's all about how you do it. You don't have to tell your mentor, I don't think you're doing any, any good to me. You're just wasting my time. Let's not have this meeting again. And that would be like, seriously, that's not how we talk. It's not what you say. It's how to say, how you say it as well. So it's a good idea to let your mentor know that I am very thankful for you to have this time with me and guide me as I need it. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break from our this meeting for a little bit to go back and reflect on what you have guided me on. And I would reach back at you or reach back to you when I'm ready with my next set of goals. Now, I'm not saying use the verbatim what I said. All I'm trying to say is the gist of how you convey to let them know that you need a break. And probably once you take a break, if you don't want to go back to them, hey, it's all good. You never made a, you never made a commitment. You never signed up an agreement. They're not going to sue you. <laughs> so it's totally, like I said, it's a mutually convenient relationship. You both are trying to gain something from each other that is a support to each other, guidance to each other. And it's totally okay to take a pause or end the relationship forever. Right. So just know that you not never be stuck in a relationship with your mentor mentee if that's not benefiting you. You no, you're not doing a favor to your mentor by wasting his or her time. Right. And wasting your time. You know, you mentioned something when you start the arrangement or the relationship. Do you have to set is it best practice to be able to set a timeline like would you approach somebody and say, you know, can you be my mentor for the next 3 months? Should you put a timeline on it? It can be a good idea. Now, I would tell you, though, the corporate mentoring program that I manage, we do have a set time. Say, for example, if I have matched a mentee with a mentor, they have a set time of seven to eight months, and then we have our yearly mentoring program come to an end. However, I would also say that I have always seen those mentor-mentee relationships continue to go on even after the official set date. Personally, I would not really give a specific time limit to a mentor or to my mentee unless they want to set one up. Right. Because if the relationship goes on, maybe the frequency can reduce. If I need Mark as my mentor right now, say for example, I would meet him probably every other week or every month, depending on his comfort and my comfort. And then as my goals are achieved and I do not need Mark as often, I may go to a longer frequency, maybe once in a quarter. That can go once in six months. That can just go once in a year as a catch-up. But personally, I would not recommend. Now, you remember the word I use, recommend, so that you're welcome to do if you want to have a time limit. But I personally would not recommend having a specific time limit set at the beginning of your mentor-mentor relationship. Right. And, you know, it's probably wise as well. You know, again, we're creating a relationship, right? One of the challenges I had when I was the national president of the Canadian Association of Food Service Professionals, we had a student branches and we tried to put mentorship programs in 
but the students were really nervous about asking people to be mentors. And you know, the one thing I would I was always tell them was is you know if somebody came to you to be a mentor, would your nose get out of joint? And they're like, no, I would love it. And it's like, why wouldn't that be the case for everybody else? Why wouldn't they be honored and love the idea of being able to take somebody under their wing? Do you have a best practice on how a mentee would approach a potential mentor? Absolutely. So there are potentially two types of people on a broader view. One can be introverted, another one, others can be extroverted. Mm -hmm. I'm an extremely extroverted person. If I have to go approach someone and ask something, I would be polite, but I wouldn't be hesitant because, hey, guess what? They're not going to bite or kill me. I mean, it's just a question. At the, at the max, they would say no, and it's not a big deal. At least I tried. I would not regret that I didn't try it. However, being an introverted person that I have mentored, I do understand the hesitance and how it makes you feel. One thing that I would try if you're an introverted person or if you're hesitant reaching out to an uh, unknown person who you've not known, but you definitely want or see him or her as your potential mentor, start with an email. Ask for the email address or a business card and start with an email. It is easier to write your request than being able to talk to the person up front and hinder the rejection right to your face. So it's a good idea to just write it down. And when you receive an email that a person is not available and the expression that you would have because of the rejection, guess what? Emails don't capture your expression. Nobody's going to know that you cussed it out or you were crying or you're emotional or you're upset or you were excited. Thank God he said, no, I didn't want him anymore. So it's the best idea to start with an email or if you know the person really well, you can also start with a text or a phone call and not a video call. But do remember when you're writing, a, when you're doing a phone call, your tone can reflect your emotions. So you have to be very careful when you're making the first phone call. So the, to the people who are very hesitant, I definitely, definitely recommend that you email them and write an email, save it in draft and revisit it after a couple of hours. Because one thing you don't want it to happen is, you don't want your hesitant to show as the tone of your email. Now you would wonder, what is she talking about? Tone of an email? Who's gonna hear me? No, they can hear you through your words. So you definitely wanna check that you are not sounding very scared or hesitant. You have to sound confident. Because look, I said, mentor-mentee relationship is not one way. It's not that only mentor has an upper hand or he or she's the dude and celebrity and just going to give you million dollars. It's a mutual relationship. So don't go with the fear or the feeling that you are asking for something. Go with the confidence that you're also going to be able to provide them enough information and enough exposure to the information from your end as a mentee with your questions and with the situations that you would share with them. So it's a mutually convenient relationship. Keep that in mind and try to approach them via email for the first meeting. So that way it gives you a little bit of time to accept the discomfort that you have within. Probably it may or may not happen that he or she might not have time for you right away. And you still have time to deal with your emotions versus the rejection or the delay coming right to your face in public. I love it. Answer your question. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is when people 
are asked to become mentors, in my experience. People are very humble. They are very gracious, even if they have to turn around and send you a, a response email that says this is not a good time. They tend to be very, very gracious in the way they're doing it, and they don't do it in a means that they are judging you <laughs> for asking. <laughs> I can't Absolutely believe, not. I don't know any mentor who would turn around and go, I can't believe they asked me to mentor them. That's an honor. I, th I think everybody's thrilled. <laughs> I, I know a lot of what we are talking about, really at the crux of it, has requires a strong focus towards leadership. And I'd like to get into some concrete attributes of leadership as far as being that mentee mentor right after this. Every day you perform, maybe not on a stage in front of a captive audience, oh, thank you, thank you, but in your business, whether you know it or not, you are performing. Thinking about your business like you have to go out there and put on a perfect show can help create long-lasting success. And you can find out the secrets how in the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater. Author, speaker, actor, and business coach Mark Hain breaks down how you can craft a solid foundation, rehearse before you ever serve your first customer, and take action to provide an experience worthy of a standing ovation. Mark's experience running casinos, restaurants, and hotels, as well as his time in live theater, has been preparing him to help put the spotlight on your business and give it its time to shine. Order his book, Lights, Camera, Action, today at your favorite online store or directly at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. Welcome back. I am here with Nihal Tana. I'm loving this conversation about mentorship and being a mentee. A lot of what we've been talking about requires just such a strong foundation of leadership. For you, Nihal, what, what are some of the attributes required, do you think, for somebody, if somebody comes up and says, I'd like you to be a mentor, what are some of the attributes that that person needs to self-analyze before they say yes? Absolutely. That is such a great question. I feel personally that everyone out here are leaders in some or the other way. Now, leadership does have a lot of attributes. So it's not that if you just have these two straight traits, you're a leader, otherwise you're not. We all have something that relates to leadership. But being able to be a mentor as a leader, I strongly believe, and just know that this is my personal experience from my mentors and uh, from my mentees and I being a, a mentor as well. You need to know an art of giving feedback. Now, I know that's a totally separate topic. But to be able to give the feedback in such a way that you don't offend, point, or accuse someone, but you give the feedback open enough for that person to be able to understand the value of it, as well as along with the feedback, always share potential solution or the guidance. So say, for example, if, I was a, if I'm a mentor to my mentee and if I have to say, that they speak really fast when they're excited. And basically what I'm trying to say is that you're mumbling and I can't understand you. That's not probably how I would say it. The way I would frame the feedback would be that just taking John as an example, John is a, is a pseudonym. John, I really like how you pose your question when we have this conversation. I would advise you though, how about taking a step back, taking a deep breath and slowing down just a little bit with your pace so that you're able to frame your question 
and the other person or your mentor or mentee gets an opportunity to understand exactly where you're coming from with that question. So you definitely need to know that you're not extremely blunt when you're giving the feedback. You have to be able to know how to give the feedback or art of giving it feedback. That's a separate presentation that I do. In addition, you need to be open to have most type of conversation. And when I say open, that doesn't mean you can just sit and bitch about a third person for two hours long every session. But you need to be able to understand where your mentee is coming from and how you can guide them and redirect the conversation conversation and bring him, bring him or her back to the main topic without making him feel that, oh, you just saying unnecessary conversation and I don't think I'm available for that or just cutting him off. That's not what you want to do. At the same time, you want to bring the person back to the main topic because you don't want to deviate too much and spend time about unnecessary whining. Just in a little whining or venting is okay, but not too much. At the same time, you also, the third aspect is you want to create a safe space for your mentee to be able to trust you and able to provide you enough information for you to guide them really well. So three things I would repeat. One is an art of giving feedback. Second is being able to be open-minded and creating a judgment-free zone for your mentee. And third, creating a safe space for your mentee for them to be able to be open and share enough information for you to be able to guide them correctly. Back to you. Love it. And that's so valuable right there. If you people can take those steps and take that list down, you know, giving feedback, if people don't have a strong skill set for that, well, that you can learn that. You, we can learn to give really good feedback. We can learn to create a judgment-free transaction where people feel that they're validated, that they're a human being, and that they what they think matters. And, you know, one of the things I, I constantly say is, you know, there's no nothing, nothing wrong with any idea because no matter what the idea is, it spawns conversation. And when, like, my mentor, one of the best things he ever used to say to me, whenever I came up with an idea, he'd look at me and he'd go, so uh, what does that look like? And it forced me to take my idea and actually dissect it to see if it made sense. And that was such an easy question. It was brilliant. So, Nihal, are there any kind of cautionaries, any, any don'ts when it comes down to this idea of mentoring or either being a mentor or being a mentee? Absolutely. So being a mentor, one thing you don't want to do is you want to make sure that one very important thing, and I swear by this, and I actually follow this, I follow this all my life. Be there when your mentees need you. Because it's very simple. Sometimes something that's very important to me, or the question that's very time sensitive and important to me, Maybe from where you see it as a mentor, it is not. And it can be taken care of later on. But the reason you're chosen as a mentor, because your mentee has trusted you that you would be available when he or she needs you. Now, of course, if there's an unrealistic ask at midnight or at 2 a.m. in the morning, probably not. But I don't, I believe no mentee would actually ask that way. But if there are interesting people like that, then you need to put your foot down. So that is a very important thing, being there for your mentee and creating that safe space. Second thing for mentor is making sure 
that you are able to eventually understand your mentee, their goal, and provide as much guidance as possible, sometimes even without your mentee asking, and being able to provide feedback time and again. Now, as a mentee, there are so many don'ts or do's, I would say. As a don't, I would say, mentees, you please make sure to be on time. It is not okay to show up late in the meeting and then expect your mentor to stay back. And if you're running late in the meeting because your previous work meeting was going or just wrapping up later, make sure you let your mentor know ahead of time. It is very important because it's according to me, when you are on time, you're already late. So you better be before time if you want to be on time. And that's the rule I follow and it has always worked very well. Second point I would say is be respectful and thankful for the feedback your mentor gives you. Always thank them for their time and always make sure that you have a realistic ask because your mentor is taking this time to invest in you at no additional cost to you. So make sure that you're able to value your mentor and do not be thankless or do not take them for granted just because, oh, oh, it's Mark. Oh, he's just my mentor. Oh, he will understand. No, he would try to understand, but it's better for you. And it would show respect if you keep Mark aware as your mentor. And Mark is an example here as a, as a mentor. If you keep your mentor aware of what's going on, if you're going to be late, if you need to cancel your meeting and so on. And a second most important thing I would say is, Never take the way of communication granted with your mentor. Oh, I can text him. He's going to be fine. No. During your first meeting, how much ever closer you to your mentor as, a, as your family relationship or whatsoever it is, make sure you ask them the method of communication that they would prefer for this relationship communication. I can be really, I am mentored to a couple of my friends as well. But when it comes to mentoring topics or guidance, I do follow a strict way of communication or strict method of communication because I don't want to be asked questions about guiding them just because their friend, just as a generic casual text, I did text about, oh, well, hey, what would you do for this? Well, are we scheduled for mentoring? Otherwise, I would just end up doing that the whole time and I would not be able to maintain my privacy or my goals and my schedule as a human. So you want to make sure of two things. One is time of your mentor, that you're respectful and you're giving the time and you feel like you let them know. So never be tardy. And the second thing is never take them for granted. These mm. are the two things that I would definitely, definitely mention. I love it. Mentees. There's so many experiences where mentees are, of course, the situation happens, life happens to all of us, and then you're not able to follow that. And that kind of translates disrespect to the person who's being for them, being there for you. Right. Again, the words pop into my head as you were speaking, being present, being respectful, and delivering on your promises. Right? That's how we're going to make, that's how both sides of that relationship can really work. Uh, Nihal, this has been a terrific conversation. Before we wrap up, do you have any last thoughts about what we're talking about today? Absolutely. Out of all the suggestions and advices and the guidance that I gave today, I would like to leave you with something. Anything that you do in your life, whether you be a mentor to someone, whether you're a mentee to someone, 
whether you're just a friend and a guide to someone or whether you're just being a good employee to your manager. If you put in your heart in anything you do, including every relationship, you are definitely going to create the best and the most fruitful relationship benefiting both the parties in the relationship out of that. So always anything that you do, do use your brain. I'm not asking you to shut your brain because then it's not going to be nice. But put your heart and soul into every relationship you have and then see how blossom your relationship would become. So that's my last word. But in addition, I'd like to say thank you, Mark, for having me in this live podcast. It's an ultimate pleasure to be a part of this. And you yourself are an incredible leader and a mentor and a person that I really respect. Oh, thank, thank you, you so me. much, Nihal. It's been my absolute pleasure having you today. And thank you for all the value that you've brought. Again, your contact information will be in the show notes. So if you want to get hold of Nihal, check the link down below because it's got her email address right there. It's got her LinkedIn profile, as well as I believe her Facebook profile. I can't remember. Anyway, it's there. You can connect her. She's not a ghost. So if you need to get a hold of her, please feel free to do so. And Nihal, once again, thank you so much for your time, your dedication, your generosity. I really appreciate you. Pleasure's all mine. Glad to be connected. As always, my offer stands. If you would like a complimentary 30-minute brainstorming session with yourself and your team with me, please go ahead and book yourself on my online calendar. The link is down below. It's the one that's marked meetme.so slash Mark Hain. As always, I am at your service. And oh yeah, mark your calendar for November 5th and 6th. That is going to be our Fall 2021 Audacious Leaders Summit. Check it out at audaciousleadersummit.com. We are just now starting to line up speakers. It's going to be an incredible, incredible high value two days. So please do that. And if you haven't done so, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this feed and follow me on social media. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show. Or go directly to markhainlive.com to watch the video edition of this podcast. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes, or you can share it and tell your friends all about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.